It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> we haven't had a home game on a short week since I've been here in five years. You know, But it is what it is. We go out and play the schedule however they do it. I know the statistics about going to the West Coast and on a short week and all that. So, you know, we did a, a study on preparing for a game on a short week, all those things, and that's why we're going out tonight after practice. They've got great receivers. Cooks is a dynamic receiver. Cup is, is really good. Woods is, you know, he looks fast and even better than a year ago. Obviously, Gurley is a hard running back with great speed to get to the perimeter. Their offensive line does a nice job, and I thought Goff took a jump from his first year to his second year, but I think he's taken another big jump here in his third year. They're no huddle offense. Uh, the things they do get in the right plays, out of the right plays. So it'll Football. be a great test for us. That's right, football hour, which means one thing. Joining us from Los Angeles, California, Matthew Collar, 1500ESPN.com. Nobody likes football like Matthew Collar. Loves it. Uh I agree. So here's where I'm going to start you off. I'm going to go total geek offensive line breakdown. I saw this today via Twitter. The pro football focus offensive line rankings through the first three weeks of the football season, Matthew Collar. The Vikings, according to PFF, rank 27th, ahead of only the Bengals, Chargers, Texans, Seahawks, and Cardinals. That's higher than I thought. I'm going to give you you the rankings of the individuals. Riley Reef at a 70.8. Tom Compton at a 77.4. Brett Jones, who's not going to start on Thursday. Pat Elflinewell, 53.7. Mike Remmers, a 60.6. And Rashad Hill, 58.2. Now, here's the problem. You're playing the Los Angeles Rams. Their offensive line, according to PFF, number one in the National Football League. They allowed, against the Chargers, just for reference here, they allowed three pressures on 38 pass drops. Wow. By Jared Goff hmm. on Sunday, the Vikings allowed 32 on 60 cousin drops dropbacks. Reef and Remmers allowed 20 pressures between them. Matthew, in short, this ain't good news for either side. Well, Judd, uh, first let me say that I am very impressed by your analytical uh, research there, and all those grades are on a one to a hundred scale. So I don't think that after three weeks we would have expected that Tom Compton would have the highest uh, grade so far. But I think it does speak to the fact that he's been uh, competent at left guard. But, you know, Riley Reef, if he's out, then it's very hard to figure out what exactly they're going to do with this offensive line. I mean, are they going to try to play Brian O'Neill? I sent you a video clip 
of Brian O'Neill from the All-22 film just getting bull rushed right back into the quarterback, which I think will happen repeatedly if he has to play no matter who he's going up against. Uh, the interior of the Rams defensive line is as good as any in football maybe that I've ever seen with Aaron Donald and Ndamukong Sue. I mean, those are two. If you have one of those two guys, you feel like you can dominate any team, and they have both of them uh, thanks to the Miami Dolphins deciding to release Ndamukong Sue, and then he goes out to a Super Bowl contender. And you mentioned as far as the battle of the trenches on the offensive line, I mean, we talked about this a little bit last year with free agency that Andrew Whitworth surprised us all by going out to L.A., but he knew what he was doing uh, because he's found himself on a Super Bowl contender, and he's one of the best left tackles in football. They, they've also got you know a very strong right guard, too, uh, that uh, has kind of emerged over the last couple of years. So, I mean, this is as far as the offensive and defensive lines, especially with the Vikings playing without Everson Griffin, this is kind of a mismatch here, although you know I would say that the Vikings' defensive line you know, last year really won that game for them against the Rams by disrupting the timing and the ability to run the football by uh, dominating, especially in the middle with Linval Joseph. So if they're going to win any of these trenches battles, it's certainly not going to be on the offensive side, but it still could be on the defensive side even without Everson in there. So, the, so for all the reasons that you guys just mentioned and for the travel reasons that Mike Zimmer mentioned in that soundbite off the top, the Vikings are clearly at a disadvantage in this game tomorrow night. What does the path look like if they're going to steal it, Matthew? Well, I mean, I think it's, it's two parts. I mean, on, on the offensive side, it's the, the two cornerbacks for Los Angeles are out, the two starters to keep to leave in Marcus Peters, and those are two of the top players in the league. So to not have them and have to have Troy Hill and Sam Shields instead is a big advantage for Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. And getting them going and finding ways to get them the ball quickly before – uh, Aaron Donald or Ndamukong Sue can get home. I mean, I think that that's a big deal, handling the different blitzes that Wade Phillips is going to send. He, he loves to send pressure from all different areas, and they're going to have to communicate better than they have so far early you know, there and get some better protection. If David Morgan comes back, it's, it's sort of a funny to bring up how important the number two tight end is, but when it comes to blocking and keeping extra blockers in, David Morgan is really good at that, and I think that they – missed him you know last week that he could have been the guy that gave assistance on jerry hughes to riley reef but instead he wasn't there in the lineup so that's on offense and uh, you know on the defensive side it's all about stuffing todd Gurley because everything starts with the rams run game i mean the rams have the perfect type of run game in the nfl where all it does all day long is sets up all their play action you know i look at jared goff as being a lot like kirk cousins where he's not going to wow you with off-script plays, but if you give him time, if you give him bootlegs, things like that, where he has to just execute a well-drawn-up play, he can certainly do that, and he's a very accurate passer. So, I mean, I I think it all starts with being able to shut down Gurley. They only gave up 37 rushing yards to him last year. If they can do that again, then they've got a shot. Matthew, how important for the Vikings is it going to be to get Dalvin Cook, you know, if he goes tomorrow night, how important is it going to be for them to get him going not just as a receiver because we know how dynamic he is out of the backfield as a receiver but also just running the football and trying to keep the Rams offense off the field as long as you can yeah I think that that's definitely a huge deal and if he could come back and look anything like his old self I mean I I know you said not as a receiver but let me start there anyway because Pat Elfline coming back helps them a ton in the screen game Brett Jones was basically inept 
at getting out from the center position to, uh, you know, on those type of screens to hit safeties and hit linebackers, which, you know, you kind of expect because it's Brett Jones and he's a backup caliber player. But Pat Elfline is fantastic at that. And, and this is one area with the linebackers that I think that they could take advantage of the Rams where they're maybe not quite as strong. So you start there. And running to the edges. I mean, you know that if you're going to try to run up the middle, they've gotten nothing there so far of the first couple of weeks because, you know, especially when they were going up against DeForest Buckner and then Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels, it just seemed like they were able to push the Vikings' offensive line back. So, uh, you know, if they're getting to the outside, getting to the edges, and maybe getting him a, an explosive play or two, that will force the Rams to respect the running game. And it's the same thing with the Vikings. The, the bootlegs, the play actions, all those things are so huge for Kirk Cousins having success. You look through his entire career and how good he is in play action. Well, last week, what happened when he had no play action? Their, their offense was pretty much stifled because they got down early, and that cannot happen again. Do you think uh, Brett Jones goes to the bench, or, or is there a possibility that they, they juggle on that line, especially if Reef does play and start, where, uh, where he still stays in a guard? So after watching Brian O'Neill, I do think it's possible that Remmers would kick out to right tackle and that they would have Compton on the left side and Jones on the right side of Pat Elfline. Mm-hmm. I think that is possible. I mean, there's all sorts of different options here. If they felt better about Brian O'Neill than I did uh, last week, I mean, if he's, he's going up against a linebacker, it might help him a little from a pure defensive end because I think defensive ends can just bull rush him back into the quarterback. But he was able to handle Clay Matthews sometimes when it's not a 270-pound guy, uh, he's such a great athlete that you know he can hold up uh, against linebackers. So that there is a case to be made to have, if Reef doesn't go, to have Brian O'Neill play on the right side and to have Rashad Hill play on the left side. I mean, none of these options are great, but you know, Judd and I talked a little on the Purple Podcast about Remmers playing right tackle maybe even uh, this week or uh, especially against the Eagles if, if they have to because... And the Eagles ate Rashad Hill alive last year, and you definitely don't want Brian O'Neill facing off with the Eagles. But as far as uh, tomorrow night, it, it's very hard to say which way they're going to shuffle things around. And uh, you know, they, they've got a lot of options, and num- none of them are particularly great. But uh, I know that they believe in Rashad Hill maybe more than some people do, and part of that is just how far Brian O'Neill has to go in order to be a competent tackle. We sort of beat around this bush of uh at different period the last couple days. I'm just going to ask it very directly, though, Matthew Collar. Is the Vikings season on the line with these next two games? Oh, 100%. I mean, if you go 1-3-1, and one, you, it's going to be a really, really tough road. Unless everybody else melts down. And, and look, I mean, the rest of the NFC North is not quite as strong as we expected. Mitch Trubisky so far has not taken a step forward. He looks a lot like the same guy as last year. So they're going to be relying on their defense. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is playing hurt already, and the Packers are, are kind of stumbling around a little bit trying to find their way on defense. And Detroit, I, I guess we'll see. They got a big win the other night, but I'm not sold on Detroit being anything special just yet either. So, I mean, that, that might be the, the silver lining here, but when you're talking about one win over the first five weeks, it's really hard to see them getting back uh, into that race, especially when you go through the quarterbacks they haven't played yet. And you can tell me all you want about how oh, maybe the Patriots aren't as strong as last year, or maybe the, the, the Seahawks aren't as strong. You're still having, talking about having to go on the road and beat Tom Brady, go on the road and beat Russell Wilson, beat Drew Brees again here at home after he's seen this defense a bunch of times. I mean, that's a really tough road 
the rest of the way. And, you know, the Jets don't look like a joke either. The Dolphins are 3-0. and They look a lot tougher than uh, we would have thought before. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I think they have to at least split these next two games to not put themselves in a massive, massive hole the rest of the way. Yeah, that's Matthew Collar. He's in Los Angeles, and he'll have full coverage the rest of the week from this week four game, Thursday night game, Vikings and Rams. Tomorrow night, Mackie and Judd extended by an hour until 7, and then Vikings vent line right after it's over. And you can find a Sage Rosenfels Matthew Collar episode of Purple Podcast right now on that feed. So all kinds of stuff to uh, to get you going the next couple of days. We'll see you, Matthew. We'll talk to you tomorrow, man. Bye, Matthew. All right. Thanks, guys. Matthew Collar, 1500ESPN.com. And Rich Gannon is going to join the show when we come back here, Judd. But first, it's time to talk to Mr. Money Talk, my friend Josh Arnold, where you always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. In Minnetonka. Are you ready? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now back to Mackie and John. Ready! On 1500 ESPN. Traffic at this hour brought to you by Better Business Bureau, 94 Westbound. We have a crash between Creighton and... Uh, between Creighton Avenue near Marshall Avenue in South in uh, St. Paul, that's uh, delaying things by about five minutes. That crash has been there for a while, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, also, 94 eastbound, uh, adding about four minutes to your travel time uh, near Third Avenue in Minneapolis. We have a crash slowing things down there, and also 94 eastbound, a 10-minute delay. That is because of a crash near John Ireland and County Road 33 in St. Paul. Join Better Business Bureau at the Torch Awards for Ethics, BBB's Torch Award embodies Better Business Bureau's mission of advancing trust in the marketplace. 14 businesses will be honored at U.S. Bank Stadium October 24th. Purchase tickets at bbb.org slash Minnesota. Football. All right. Thank you, Manny. It's the Football Hour with Mackie and Judd, brought to you by the Vikings' rickety and banged-up offensive line this week (laughs) on a short week in Los Angeles. Rich Gannon. Rich Gannon is a former MVP and a weekly guest on our show throughout the season. We're asking for a friend here, Rich, a friend named Kirk. What's it like when you don't really trust your offensive line to keep you alive in an NFL football game? That's scary, especially this week on a short week going to Los Angeles and going up against the Dominican Sioux and 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 you know uh, you know one of the better defensive lines in football and I just think that uh, that that's got to be a concern and you always have to be protection conscious. Um, Aaron Donald's you know maybe the best three technique in all of football and so they're they're big and strong inside. They create push in the pocket and they can come off the edge and so this is a it's going to be a challenge, but it's going to it's going to be you know screens, the quick game. They have to be able to run the football effectively on the on the edges against this defense, and obviously that was a big shock last week. Just their really lack of interest in running the football, even though they fell behind early. Yeah, how, how surprised were were you, Rich, by, by that entire game? Because it's one thing. Uh, for Buffalo to uh, come in here and perhaps surprise the Vikings by a field goal or touchdown, it's another for a team like Buffalo to come here and bl- basically blow them out. Especially with a rookie quarterback yeah. making his first ever start on the road. You know, he's had to start at home. But, um, look, I did the Bills in week one. They've been out. I think they were outscored 59-6 to six in the last six quarters. They were struggling, and yet they unloaded on the Vikings. And, you know, look, it's a lesson to be learned. Hopefully, you know, you get it out of the way early. But, you know, the ability to handle success and also the ability not to underestimate your opponents. And I'm not suggesting that they, you know, just 
had an easy week of practice and weren't prepared. But yet, when you look at the, how they played, it was a real surprise. I mean, Josh Allen had a, you know, looked comfortable back there. I, I was, you look at numbers. When a rookie quarterback throws the ball 22 times in a football game, that's a pretty good indicator that they're in control of things. And that's kind of where they want him to be. But, um, you know, for the Vikings to be shut out three quarters against that defense, that was a surprise. Uh, obviously, field position was a huge story in the game. I think half of their possessions started inside their own 15. I think 11 or 12 possessions started inside the 25-yard line. Yet, the Bills had the ball for almost 36 minutes in the game. So, uh, you know, I just felt like they panicked. You know, I never felt like, you know, like a team's going to jump off to a start. But for them not to, you know, reel them back in and, and just crank, crank away at it. I mean, they had six carries all all day, and two of them were from Cousins. So, They've got work to do in a short week, and uh, this is an offense that is is on fire right now. The Rams have scored 30 or more points in three straight games, and you look at Goff and how he's playing and, and uh, Gurley, this is going to be a real challenge for the Vikings defense. Rich, is there any way, if you're the Vikings, to look at Sunday's game with the Bills and take anything out of it that, can be viewed as like a wake-up call or anything like that because everybody picked them to win the game and they just they were just brutal across the board. And now these next two games against the Rams tomorrow night and then Philadelphia uh, next week, I mean, is there any way that Sunday's loss to Buffalo can sort of help them going forward here because they're really going to need these next, at least one of these next two games? Absolutely. And look, it can be an opportunity to refocus. It can be an opportunity that, you know, obviously the, the messaging that comes from, from Mike Zimmer and from the coaching staff and from the leadership in the locker room. I still think this is a good football team. I mean, you know, look, after the first two weeks of the season, everybody was feeling good about the Vikings and everything was, you know, peachy keen. Now all of a sudden you lose to a Buffalo team. And by the way, Went nine and seven last year, made the playoffs. So it's not like you know. I know that they were playing poorly the first couple of weeks of the season. They they got their noses bloody on the road against Baltimore with Nathan Peterman. You know they've got this this quarterback's going to be a good young player, this Josh Allen. But I think it's important not to overreact. You know, one way or the other. And I think you know this could be a uh, you know a bit of a reassessment. But this is still a good football team. I still think they're the best team in the division. But. You know, their adversity has hit early, and maybe it's a good thing. Yeah. Rich Gannon is with us here on Mackie and Judd with Manny. It's our football hour and the 5 o'clock hour every day. Um, you know, I think we've, we haven't, I'm sure you've been bombarded by John Gruden questions throughout the last several months. Like, what was your experience like with him when you go back to the early 2000s when, when he was this young, blossoming head coach? What, what can you tell us about your time with him? I think he's a good football coach. I enjoyed working with him, obviously. Uh, I had my, you know, the most success with, with him and, and his system of football. I just got done watching the, the game last week from uh, Miami, and you know, they've been, they've been a, in the lead in the first three games and haven't been able to finish. I mean, that game against the Dolphins, they should have it should, it, closed them out. Instead, Derek Carr throws an interception, an ugly interception late in the back of the end zone. They have a chance to, to go ahead, and then, you know, the, the next series they – have another mistake, and then of course, you know the Dolphins, you know, go with the little shovel pass, and Albert Wilson goes whatever seventy, eighty yards. So the defense isn't playing as well. Uh, the quarterback, quite frankly, has to perform better. He, he's missing some reads. He looks uncomfortable at times. Uh, they had a different right tackle in there uh, on Sunday, but be on three, and, and not only that, but guys, look ahead. Their schedule doesn't get any easier. Mm-hmm. 
Hey, Rich, what, what's that like to uh, to play for Gruden as his QB? And I ask that in this sense: in 2018, where where you you know you you were brought up and probably wired a certain way. Carr is probably different than than you. How difficult? Could it be to play for him as a younger player when you've probably been treated pretty well your entire career, and now and now you get more of a, a gruff coach with quarterbacks like John Gruden if you're Carr? It's a good question. I think he's being coached a little differently than he was in the past, and I think it's a good thing. And the other thing I would tell you is I spent a lot of time. I was a week at a mini camp. I was out of training camp for a week. I was in meetings with, with the quarterbacks and coaches. Um, I would tell you that Derek is totally bought in. He's a tough guy. He can accept responsibility. Um, I would also tell you that John coaches a starter a little differently than he coaches the younger younger guys. I, I really don't think the issue right now is, is is with Derek and John. I don't think they're running the ball uh, as well as they need to. Uh, I would tell you the defense has been a very has been very disappointing. Quite frankly, has underperformed the first three weeks. And then but Derek will tell you that he's got to play better. I mean, he can't turn the football over. You know, he had a couple ugly ugly turnovers in that game. Uh, None worse than the interception down in the red zone. You know, there's three things we say you can't have in the red zone. You can't have turnovers, penalties, or sacks. And that was a, a critical turnover to, when they were down by, uh, I think they were down four at the time. They could have gone ahead by a field goal. Instead, uh, they lose the game on the road. Rich, how good is Patrick Mahomes? I mean, he's just been lighting it up. Now, with Kansas City, I still worry about their defense a little bit. But this kid is uh, this kid is off the charts right now. The defense hasn't had to play guys in the first three weeks of the season. I mean, because they're racing off to these fast starts. The quarterback has been incredible. You know, I would say this. You know, it's a small sampling. We just got four games. He played a game in week seven, a meaningful, meaningless game in week seventeen last year. Then the three games this year. But I will tell you, the three games this year, he's putting on a freak show. He's thrown thirteen touchdowns, no picks. I, no picks is, is impressive. But it's the plays he's making off schedule, the non-rhythm plays. Uh, that threw the Conley in the back of the end zone off the scramble, and he rolls to his right and just kind of whips the ball back in there. He, he can make a lot of plays. Um, he's got a, 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 a gunslinger mentality and a lot of confidence. I heard Andy Reid talk about him this week a little bit like Favre, who Andy head coach as a young quarterback in Green Bay. And so they're just riding this thing right now. And Look, the guy has – it's not just the arm talent. I mean, it's the waist down. The guy can make a lot of plays. And look at the team speed that they have on offense. And that's that's the biggest issue right now. They've got speed at receiver with Hill and Watkins, and they've got a great uh, running back. And, of course, one of the best tight ends in football is Travis Kelsey. So you got a lot of speed, and they've got a quarterback that's red hot right now. I've got to imagine that's that's uh, when, when things are rolling the right way, that's got to be a fun stadium to be winning in. I think it's, you know, I played in a lot of stadiums. I obviously played four years for Chiefs. I played six for the Vikings, six for the Raiders. That might be my favorite home stadium to play in. It's about 80,000 people. They all wear red. It's kind of a college atmosphere. They're on the parking lot tailgating. And, and Kansas City, guys, is really a football town. I mean, we don't have, you know, basketball down there. We don't have baseball. I mean, we don't have basketball or hockey. We do have baseball. But baseball is kind of second fiddle to the Chiefs. And um, it is a it's a it's a great town. They come out and support the team, and it's a hard place to win. See, I think you, if if you're ranking the three places that are notorious when things are going right, you might have hit on the three of them in your in your career. Like playing in Oakland when when the team is awesome and it's intimidating and it's an old rickety stadium, Kansas City 
And then the Metrodome, when times are good, and at the time they might have been pumping in a little noise in the speakers, right? I mean, that's... Oh, yeah. Those might be the top three home field advantages, at least during the time you were playing. Yeah, there's there's some great places. When you look at the rivalries and the you know the division, certainly the Vikings and and Packers, and then you know the, the Bears were there for a while. I think it's the Vikings and the Packers right now, quite frankly, because these two teams are really kind of controlled the division, and and they've got you know they've got about the best personnel right now. I think you know Chicago's getting better with Matt Nagy. I think Detroit with with. Matt Patricia will eventually get things straightened out, but they're, they're, I still think they're a work in progress. But I just think the division's gotten tighter this year. Trubisky is is a better player than he was last year. I think Nagy's going to help them. And look, no one, you know, anyone who thought the Vikings were just going to go twelve and four and run away with this thing is, is sadly mistaken. I mean, and, and people write off the Packers all the time. Look, with that quarterback, even with a knee brace on, he's still one of the best in the business. So. Look, it was a, they stubbed their toe last week, an opportunity to go out there and maybe steal one from the Rams. And look, I'm looking forward to this game. It's going to be a really good game. I think the Vikings, look, the thing about Kirk Cousins is, guys, this is the thing I do know about him. He knows how to get his team to the finish line. Now, last week didn't happen, but he's a smart guy. He's, he's a guy that uh, is gritty, and I just think this game could be closer than people think. Yeah. Hey, Rich, are, are Norv and Cam with the Panthers going to work? Because when Norv Turner got that job as OC, I think there was a lot of pushback of it seemed like an odd hire, but so far it seems to be actually working pretty well. Here's the good thing. is Norv Turner was the head coach in, in uh, San Diego when Ron Rivera was the assistant. When Ron took that job, he took the tight ends coach with him. So it was really Norv Turner's system. It was Rod Chizinski. And so the system really hasn't changed, which I think has helped the quarterback. They've got a quarterback is unusual. He's unique. He's a he's a dual threat. And this Christian McCaffrey, he went over 100 for the first time in his career. The only question I have, guys, is they've got three offensive linemen on IR. Their best player, Greg Olson, the tight end, is is out with a foot injury. Could be out for a month or more. And their defense is good, uh, not great, and and uh, that division is ridiculously competitive. You know, you look at the Saints and and obviously the. Falcons and they've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are getting better with Fitzmagic and I, I think it's going to be <laughs> could be an interesting season in the South. Is there any archived footage of you wearing uh, that that tracksuit get up from a couple I weeks ago what, at a press conference? Here's a guy that he's been a vagabond. He's basically he's been, <laughs> on, eight, he's been on eight different teams. I know he I know he went to Harvard. We know he's a smart guy, but the reason he's been on eight different teams is because of what he did in the first half of that game uh, against Pittsburgh. The, the ball security, the turnovers have been a problem for Fitzpatrick, but the guy can sling it. He, he thinks he's, he really does. He thinks he's Brett Favre. I mean, he, he thinks he's got this cannon of an arm. He's willing to take risks. He takes chances, and and the team loves him. And I, I think it's going to be a while before they go back to the other guy. Yeah, he's and he's hilarious. He's, he's, one of the, he's just a character man. Hey, Rich Gannon, great stuff as always. We'll talk next week. See you, Rich. You guys all right, all right. Rich. Rich we try. Gannon, man. We try. We are the best. <laughs> Rich Gannon's pretty damn good himself. He is. He is. <laughs> Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've heard to date. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Start churning butter and put on your church shoes, little sister, because we're about to blast off. On 1500 ESPN. football.
They've got great receivers. Cooks is a dynamic receiver. Cup is is really good. Woods is, you know, he looks fast and even better than a year ago. Obviously, Gurley is a hard running back with great speed to get to the perimeter. Their offensive line does a nice job. And I thought Goff took a jump from his first year to his second year, but I think he's taken another big jump here in his third year. They're no huddle offense. Uh, the things they do, get in the right plays, out of the right plays. So it'll be a great test for us. Mackie and Judd, Manny. And uh, Patrick Roycey will join here in about 10 minutes. We'll wrap with Roycey. Rich Gannon was awesome. He, he did make an interesting comment about Kirk Cousins. He said, Cousins is the type of guy that will get you to the finish line of a game. And I don't know if we all see that yet with him. I feel like that the Buffalo game, there was a couple spotty throws in uh, in week one, too, that made you think, uh, I don't know. But the Packers game, the Packers game he definitely he did. Got you there. Fourth quarter, he totally did. Yep. Um, he needs some protection. Yes, but he we does. knew that. There's, there's nothing. There's really nothing about his struggles on Sunday, as bad as that loss was, from Cousins' point of view, that was shocking. Like we've talked about this, he has mm-hmm. to be protected. He can, he can roll out and throw, but he's not Case Keenum. I think it was a. Li- so I mostly agree, but I think it was a little shocking just how feeble he was. That I. I mean, I, he needs protection to to play at a high level. He's not, you know, he's not going to be able to run away like Russell Wilson or or Aaron Rodgers when healthy. But I thought there were a few opportunities to complete some passes, and I, and he disappeared in those instances too. They did make some bad throws. That surprised me a little bit. The fumbling thing was surprising to me when we were sitting there in vent line, and you found the stat that he had fumbled. <laughs> 13 times last year. I didn't even realize that. And then, like, after you told me that, I was like, okay. So that's going to be kind of a thing, I guess. If you can't protect him, then that's going to be troublesome. That game was the collar cocktail of Cousins' futility. The what? The collar cocktail. Matthew Collar gave us the cocktail. He doesn't drink cocktails. What would? Nobody gave us a football (laughs) cocktail. It's a Shirley Temple. Sure. Matthew Collar gave us the cocktail for what would be Cousins' downfall, and all those elements came together Sunday. I think that game makes you want to drink a few cocktails. It does. Oh, I did, so it's no problem for me. I did, too. Yeah. I've had a few every night since that game, to be totally honest with you I had about four pumpkin beers last night, and it was damn good. Oh, you're a pumpkin beer guy. Not too often, but yeah. I'll, you know, I... Tis the season. Three or four years ago, not yet. It's not. It's not well, October not, yet. Not, not quite. All right, yeah. jumping the gun. Three or yeah. four years ago, when they were all the rage, I went absolutely nuts, and I got sick of, of the uh, pumpkin beer. So now, moderation. Six at a time. That's it. That's it. But not too many times <laughs> of having six. So like Friday, no more. As long as if you if you add the alcohol by volume percentage of each, if it if it adds up to less than fifty over the course of a night, then you're good, right? I'm as good, as and I don't not, get sick of yeah, it. You're good. <laughs> Uh, Dante Culpepper had a worse fumbling problem. You guys care to guess how many times he fumbled in seasons with the Vikings? Couldn't eat, eat a Whopper either. Um, there was one year where I remember Dante had 32 turnovers. Why I know that exact number, I'm not sure, but he threw 23 picks. Was that a one? He threw 23 picks and he had nine. I think it would have been 0-2. I okay. think Ticey's first full year. Dude, he had <laughs> he had twenty three picks and he and he yeah. lost nine fumbles oh. that year. So two thousand two, I've got it here. Two thousand two, he either fumbled or now this doesn't account for for fumbles that this is just total fumbles and total interceptions. So he right. did they did get some of these fumbles back. Right, forty six. Oh my god! Combined interceptions and fumbles oh. in two thousand two for Dante Culpepper. Oh, <laughs> can you imagine that? Now? 46! 
You'd never return to the league? It's almost three a game. And he came back the That's next year. It's almost three a game. Oh. Yeah. He came back the next year, and he was really good. He cut down on the interceptions and the fumbles, <laughs> and then he almost won the MVP award in 2004, and that was yeah. that was pretty much the end of his career. That was then. it, yeah. Yeah. Did you say, I'm sorry, you said 46? Yeah, he, he led the league in interceptions thrown with 23. So he had and then 23 he, fumbles. Yep, and then he put the ball on the ground 23 times. And he lost nine of them, if I'm not mistaken. It's amazing that man. Did you get it right? I know. Did he get it right? I with that stuff. I know, because stuff like that is just... I don't because know. Because I remember people talking about, yeah, Dante Culpepper had 32 turnovers that season. I can't remember two nights ago. the fumbles lost and the interceptions. Oh, here it is. Okay, there's a, there's a fumbles category on... Pro Football Reference. That's remarkable, man. It was uh, how many did he lose? He only. Royce is going to give me crap in the next segment for knowing that. Oh, look! It says how <laughs> many? How many were recovered? It looks like only six. So he. So they did they really lose seventeen fumbles? So Dante turn, turned the ball turned the ball over on average two and a half times a game in two thousand two. Unbelievable. Uh, he cut he cut the fumbles down to sixteen the next year, which still led the NFL. Oh. Nice job, Dante. Yeah, he fumbled. Cut him thanks, down to 16. thanks, 11. Way to go, 11. Dante fumbled 102 times in his career. How is that possible? Okay. In 2004. How does that happen? Uh, in 2004, how, how many picks and fumbles did he have that year? Because that was the great year. 11 yeah. picks, I think. And only nine fumbles. <laughs> only nine fumbles. Counted for well, for him, that's pretty good. 20 potential turnovers. He fixed it. He cut it almost in... He, he, he cut it by uh, like 60%. How is that possible? I remember talking about How that you, stuff then, but not like we would now. What I remember the, watching the, the 2002 season. I specifically remember every single time he dropped back, it got to the point where you just expected the ball to come out. It was like, oh, it, it, just a standard sack, even from the front side. Like the ball would squirt out and then the somebody hands, has to grab I'll it. I'll never forget. I went to a handful of games that year. Pun intended. I, I, <laughs> small, just a small handful. <laughs> just a small handful of games. A really, really a small handful. Mini the, handful. Two, the two games I'll never forget from that season were, number one, the Buffalo game, where Doug Bryan missed two extra points. Get out. Yep. yep. And he was cut the next day. Yep. And the other one was the Giants game, where Bryant McKinney finally ended his holdout and came out and played, and Kenny Holmes blew right by him. Defensive end for the Giants. Yep. Rotation defensive end for yeah. the Giants. Blows right by Bryant McKinney. Remember when McKinney came out of Miami, the hype was... He never, he never gave ne- up a sack. Never given up a sack in yeah. high school or in college. Five and his minutes first in. game in the NFL, he gives up a sack. Dante fumbles <laughs> and they lose the game. That's right. I remember that. Yes. Uh, we'll reminisce and rap with Roycey when we come back. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Becky and Judd now continue. What now? What now? Let me tell you what now. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Look at your traffic brought to you by Better Business Bureau, 94 eastbound. Uh, we still have that crash near 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis, adding about six minutes to your commute. And also 494 westbound, there's a crash uh, between Delaware Avenue and Dodd Road in Mendota Heights. That's adding a few minutes to your uh, commute if you're in that area as well. Join Better Business Bureau at the Torch Awards for Ethics. BBB's Torch Award embodies Better Business Bureau's mission of advancing trust in the marketplace. 14 businesses will be honored at U.S. Bank Stadium October 24th. Purchase tickets at bbb.org slash Minnesota. Thank you, Manny. 
Hey, Pat, we were just reminiscing about the small hands season of 2002 in which Dante Culpepper combined for 46 interceptions and fumbles. 46? Wow. 46 interceptions and fumbles. And I heard I heard a rumor. I, somebody actually called me to tell me this, that Manny knew what the number was. He, without he came close. Huh? He came close. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, it was thirty-two right. turnovers, Pat. But yeah, the the forty-six because nine of the twenty-three fumbles he had were actually lost. Oh, oh, only nine of the twenty. See, he was very good at falling on his own fumbles. He was. He had a big. He had small hands, but he had a big chest. So he could fall <laughs> on his fumbles. that was Wait. that was that was good for him. So yeah, that was an uh, interesting season. What they do? O two was. Uh, so uh, I can't remember what kind of year was that. I think that was they had a couple little transition years before the O three six and O start that they wound up squandering. <laughs> Red melted down on them after they lost to the Giants. Yeah, O two was also that might have been one of Michael Ben Michael Bennett had like one big season, and I'm pretty yeah, sure that yeah, was in two thousand two. And then O four Dante was like the runner up MVP in the league, but they uh, they weren't uh, and they weren't that good though. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. what they end up didn't they? Uh, that that old four team, they make the playoffs. They don't. They did. They yeah. beat the Packers, they right? Went to the Packers and won. Oh, they went. That's the Packer game. Favre threw four interceptions. Yep. Right. Yep. That yeah. was it. Then they went to Philadelphia the next week in the divisional round without Terrell okay, Owens the, so and Freddie Mitchell back-end. killed them in the playoffs. That's the back end game. The eight. eight that was the eight and eight season. Yeah, that was the year right? Randy walked off the field in Washington, right? And yeah. Burke went and chased yeah. him at Tyson's behest. <laughs> hey, Judd, were you there? No, no, I was. Oh, that was great. That was great. I covered the Packers you know, that year. That, that Washington. I don't know if you guys been in the new stadium, but the downstairs visitors area is terrible, and there's yes. this little room. And Ticey basically, is, I mean, you can. That's when Burke and Moscow had her in the club in the locker room, and they they know they didn't make the playoffs, and then they make the playoffs, and Ticey comes out and he's all jubilant because they made the playoffs <laughs> after a half hour earlier. They all were like. Screaming at each other. So, yeah, didn't Ticey? Hey, Pat, didn't Ticey shuffle backwards and say, What am I doing? I'm backing in the playoffs. Seaford <laughs> <laughs> always told that story. It's great. Backing yeah. in the playoffs. He did. He did. And then they, uh, they're, they're pretty good when they back in. The uh, 87 team back yeah. in. You know, they lost their last. They were they were actually really good, but they lost three scab games, and then they lost their last two regular season games. And I wrote a column uh, vilifying them on that Sunday that they played New Orleans for being a bunch of jokers, and they went down there and what forty six to ten was. It? Oh yeah, forty six to ten. Yeah, Anthony Carter was the greatest player I've ever seen in those first two playoff games. It was unbelievable. Why isn't he in the Ring of Honor? By the way, Anthony why Carter. Is that, yeah. Why is that fraud Ahmad in the Ring of Honor and he's not? No, really. Look I was up. a big Rashad fan as a kid. Don't rip Rashad. Carter was a better Viking than Ahmad Rashad, but he wasn't a PR guy. That was the, that's the difference. It's, but why is Anthony Carter not in the ring of honor? Yeah, yeah. Does does did I mean Rashad? It probably is PR, right? Rashad's a national face, and sure, right? Yeah, that's true. Did I see your tweet correct last night that you were about to get it in the car, or even indeed did get in the car to go to Target Field? And then turned I around. I had an opener. I looked in the paper to see who was starting, and they said Gabriel Moya. And I said, "I'm not going. I'm not even. I am protesting this." Uh, now I might head down and see Jake today. The new, all new, 
remodeled Jake. Whatever's happened to Jake, we don't know what what happened to him. But actually, the opener worked because it's worked the last two times for Cole Stewart. Uh, you know, I like him. He's got pretty good stuff. I, I he's got some movement, and the ball's got a little thump to it. I I I like him a lot better. I like the lefty. I'll tell you that because he's actually got a little velocity. Where's your uh, Where's your Mauer money? Is he done? Is I boy. It sure would be nice if he gave us a stronger hint, wasn't it? Because everybody now you look at Twitter and it's all goodbye Joe stuff and uh, goodbye. But I think he's gone. Yeah, don't you? Yeah, I, th- I, don't, I don't think he plays anywhere else. And so I, th- I, th- I thought that he was really in a good mood this spring, and he was, and, and he thought they were going to be good, and he was coming off a good season, and you know, I, I think he. I think if he'd had another season like he had last year and uh, had as much enjoyment as he had last year, he probably would uh, would, would come back. But I, I think he looks now and says, you know, what's the point? Hey, Pat. And they don't really want Do you think they want him back, Phil? I don't. No. I, I mean, if you if you just ask Derek Falvey and Thad Levine, I think they'd, I think they'd like his presence around, but they can do better at that position at this point. So Yeah. Not with anything they have at the moment, however. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think he. I think in his mind he's done, but he's going to wait to see if if the family tells him go play. Yeah, Mama's going to have a baby in November, and, and I, she I might say don't play. Yep. 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 I, yep. I think that's true. So, uh, boys, it's it's getting. I'm in a crisis here. I'm in a post work crisis. Did you see what I did today? No, I saw your tweet. Yeah, go ahead. First of all, I had the junk guy come out. That ended up costing me five hundred dollars. By the time we put everything, we filled up a whole truck full. I didn't do anything. By the way, I just pointed. Uh, It's great. I've done that before too. It's great. You just 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 walk in. Like the ad. And then you know what I did. I, I wanted to get a pair of shoes for the winter so that I could, you know, without a sole on them, right? I drove out to the big mall. I was hanging out at the big mall for wow. an hour and a half. Wow. I have, I have, in the last five years, the only previous time I'd been there really was for Radio Row. <laughs> so I was at the big mall and I'm wandering around saying, boy, you got you to gotta figure something out here, buddy. Did you, you, did you go hang out down by the sharks and the, the underwater <laughs> sea world or whatever that thing's called? No, I didn't do that, but I did go up and uh, look where Radio Row was and got a little misty. So, did you stand uh, in line? Did you go to Wahlburgers? It's open no, now. No, is, is is that the new hot one? Is that uh, even more popular than Shake Shack or Shack Shake or whatever it is? Well, Shake Kirk Shack. Cousins kind of put Shake. Was it Shake Shack? Right, kind of put Shack. that place on the map. Yeah, that's big. Yeah, yeah, that's that's well. Yeah, I did see that uh, other burger joint right. They're right up and one's on the second floor, one's on the third floor. They're right next to each other. But, did, uh, did you yeah, stop? I, did I you stop at Shake Shack? Oh yeah, I had lunch at Shake Shack. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, you really do. You yeah. can't. You can't yeah, skip morally, that place. Well, I mean, that's uh, you know, you're welcome. To, you're welcome to come in and rap with Roycey if you want. To, if you want to. <laughs> no, I'm. Hey, quiet, uh, quiet day on the uh, Jimmy Jimmy front. We don't have. Uh, we judged three o'clock deadline passed. Nothing. It did. Happened. Yeah. Three fifteen. <laughs> Wo- Woj and I are trying to facilitate something. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Woj well, is throwing uh, stuff out there. Somebody did. Somebody say Phoenix is the middleman here. They're out now with Miami. The Kings are now the middleman, according the to uh, Chris Sheridan. Now Adrian Wojnarowski, I think Judge right. Woj is really the one that facilitates these trades. He just like yes. 
yeah. uses Twitter to uh, negotiate these deals publicly. But it sounds like it's Miami Wolves and then a third team, maybe the Kings, that are going to get something done. Well, I don't think Miami will make the trade unless they get rid of either Tyler Johnson or Whiteside is the problem. And the Timberwolves don't want to take on either of those guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you Whiteside's cap hit is like twenty six million. Yeah. Yeah. He's you know, and he's and, good, but he's he's him and yeah, Tibbs aren't going to mesh. No, and uh and Tyler Johnson, as we talked about yesterday, might be the most overpaid guy. I mean Georgie Gorgie's deal looks like a walk in the park compared to Tyler Johnson. So yeah. I think Miami is not going to trade a real asset unless they can get rid of one of those guys. But somebody's going to have to give a number one draft choice to Sacramento, right? Yeah. To, uh, to uh, you try to get, get them, them to take, take Gorgie's deal. Yeah. Now, what can you get? Like Zach, take Zach back, and then you know recant him, and it doesn't count against your uh, cap. Is it? You know, like, I, I think like, they might they might be able to trade for him because he's he's only got this year left. He's an expiring deal, and they could maybe. Buy him out or stretch him, him or something out like that. Him go. Yeah. It, it doesn't count against a cap. I don't so. think so, no. Okay. Yeah. All right. Is there anything more complicated in sports than the NBA salary cap? It's a, I mean, even the NFL salary cap is a walk in the yeah. park by comparison. Yeah, and you get yeah. the big bird rights players and <laughs> yeah. stretch provision. Yeah. yeah, stretch provision is my favorite. Yeah. I had the Miami deal all figured out, and then I found out Wayne Ellington can't be traded till December fifteenth. Uh, Wayne Ellington would have been a should have right. should have held on to him seven years ago. All right, Pat, we'll talk to you tomorrow. See you, Pat. Bye. All right, we uh, wrap with Royce. Stop here, shopping at the mall. <laughs> I, I went there last weekend no, myself. Just Patrick at the mall just makes no sense in my head. <laughs> See you tomorrow. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. At the Home Depot, we have the tools for you to give the gift of a smarter home with savings on top brands like the Google Hub, a command center for your smart devices that raises the IQ of your entire home, or the Nest Learning Thermostat that helps you conserve energy and save on your bill. And if you don't know what to get, gift cards are a smart gift no matter what they get. So this year, gift smarter with savings on tools to make your holiday magic. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.